Decarbonizing the energy sector of modern day will be one of the most challenging obstacles of our time, but it will also present an opportunity for pioneers to achieve the impossible. Energy demand is increasing, and so is the need to produce that energy sustainably so we can reach our net zero goals. This is the Core Knowledge Podcast, where we sit down with the leaders and innovators in the geothermal energy space, tackling the challenges of modern day in order to make geothermal everywhere a reality for tomorrow. From shallow to deep, heat to electricity, and even healthcare to agriculture, we will bring to light the many benefits of geothermal. Join us as we journey across the globe to bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Core Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Sestari, and this is the show where we're on a quest to bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. And today I'm honored and privileged to have Bryant Jones on the show with us. Uh, he is the newly appointed executive director of Geothermal Rising. Um, a super exciting announcement and really excited to have him be leading that organization. And there's plenty of things that we have to touch base on today regarding that and many more topics on geothermal. But one of the things that I want to preface kind of before the show is just that we've seen a lot of kind of, I'll call it a renaissance of geothermal as of late, um, but there are still many challenges that we face. And some of those, I would argue a lot of those relate to policy structures and incentives and just ways to help propel geothermal forward and help de-risk and just help the process of implementing projects and technology move quicker and more efficiently. And so going to pick Brian's brain today and we're going to get some incredible knowledge from him on uh, his experiences and sort of his opinions and ideas on what we can do to help push geothermal forward and make it an actual player in the energy mix and really um, do what it's capable of, which is powering our world. So without any further ado, um, Bryant, thanks for coming on today and really just want to start things off by having you kind of give us a brief introduction to yourself, your story, kind of background, uh, what you spent your time studying and, and how you navigated your way to now being in geothermal rising and leading it and working in geothermal. Today's episode is brought to you by JRG Energy. A special thank you to our inaugural Core Knowledge Podcast sponsor. JRG Energy is a renewable energy project management consultancy working on geothermal projects around the world, whose mission is to provide value and develop relationships through a full suite of specialized services for the global renewable energy market. They are driven by innovation, experience, and integrity and strive daily to display these values through all aspects of their work. JRG Energy provides customized energy solutions, project management, engineering, technical support, consulting, and training for the renewable energy sector. JRG Energy has an extensive geothermal portfolio of projects around the world, ranging from World Bank reports to well intervention work, and they support the core knowledge mission to bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. If you want to find out more, you can visit www.jrgenergy.com. JRG Energy, delivering solutions today for a better tomorrow. Yeah, well, Nick, it's great to be here. Uh, thank you very much for, for uh, inviting me to join the show today, um, especially during an exciting week here in, in Houston with Sarah Week going yeah. on. And so energy is top of mind, especially energy policy. It's a, it's a common thread uh, throughout the conference and the conversations uh, have been really inspiring and 
uh, geothermal is going to play a big part of the energy transition into the clean energy energy economy. So it's been a it's been a good week so far. Lots of excitement. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's a good great point. Yeah. Sarah Week is happening right now. For those of you who might be there or might hear this episode, um, yeah, geothermal is definitely gathering some attraction um, and gaining a lot more traction at these big world global conferences. So it's great to see. So. Yeah. We, we, and from Geothermal Rising's perspective and, and the industry, it's, we welcome the the attention. Absolutely. So <laughs> the more, yeah, the more attention or lights turned on or panels or things we can be invited to, the better. Yes. So we can keep telling the story of geothermal and get it in as many people's ears and minds as we possibly can. Yep. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's been awesome to see. And, and again, I think that's why this timing of kind of geothermal rising and where you are and just kind of where the industry's at, there's a lot of exciting things um, on the horizon. And I'm sure as we'll get to later in the episode, a lot of things that I'm sure you've already thought about for just things that we can be doing um, through geothermal rising and just as an industry. So, yeah, I'm really excited to be taking the helm of geothermal rising and, and the, the um, organization is to me, geothermal rising is a really important part of the geothermal industry. Uh, the point of geothermal rising is to um, empower and build the geothermal community and um, create a foundation from which all of these amazing startups are launching from, uh, you know, companies like Criterion, for example. Um, so geothermal rising is that community organizer uh, where the advocate for the industry trying to um, uh familiarize external audiences with the benefits of geothermal from all types of technology, from ground source heat pumps all the way to supercritical hot rock and everything in between. So yeah. it's exciting to, to, um, it's a tall task, some <laughs> might say, but also, but also, you know, an important one, as you mentioned. So it's, it's an incredible opportunity. Yeah. I mean, there's geothermal offers everybody something that they desire. Yeah. Uh, we just need them. We need to make sure that everyone knows about all the different attributes of the technologies. Yeah, which is part of why we're here today is this uh, podcast. We're part of the equation. And as Brian's mentioning, there's just a lot of, yeah, a lot of work to do, especially on the engagement with the public or with other people, because there's a lot of times that I encounter someone and tell them what I do or just about geothermal and they just, they just don't really know or they kind of have this common comment of, isn't that just for, you know, Yellowstone type areas or stuff where that, that they're familiar with geysers or things like that. So it's, um, yeah, there's a lot to, to get it into an understandable message for just the average person who's not a scientist or not a, you know, in energy. It's, um, yeah, yeah it's an important thing to do though. Yeah. And we're seeing there's, um, um, polls are showing that geothermal is a bipartisan technology Yeah, where people, there, there's attributes that both all sides of the political aisles like and, and appreciate. Um, but there's not enough knowledge of it. So those same polls, the the people who know about geothermal is relatively small. And so we need yeah. to grow that number of, of individuals around the country who know what geothermal is and can, uh, and can, we can create elevator pitches so that they can go out and start talking about it with, with their friends and family and at their, you know, local municipality yeah. board meetings and whatnot. Absolutely. It's the, was the theory of one person tells two people and then that, you know, the exponential growth yes. that that does. So, you know, it's a uh, snowball effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not that yeah. you have a lot of snowballs in Houston. <laughs> not, not here. <laughs> no, not, or at least not often, but, uh, yeah. Well, how did you yourself find yourself sitting in this, you know, where you are today, obviously leading geothermal rising, a very important organization for the entire industry. Um, you know, 
how did you get here? How was, was geothermal always on your mind? Was it kind of just happened? What was kind of, what was the, what brought you to this point? Yeah. So I'll preference to say, I'm not a geologist. I'm, I'm not an engineer. My background is policy. Um, I was a biology major in undergrad. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have science, you have scientists in you. That's in there. But uh, I then went and moved, went and went to grad school for um, public policy and got my master's and, uh, and just recently finished up my PhD awesome. in uh, energy policy. And the re- how I got involved in, you know, I have a career in um, government. I worked in at the Office of Management and Budget at the uh, the White House Budget Office for quite a little while. I uh, worked at the State Department. I uh, had a short stint on the Hill as well, so I got some of that legislative experience. Um, but my foray into geothermal came through uh, the, the PhD process where I was studying why energy technologies in this clean energy transition, why some are remaining stagnant and struggle to get policy attention and uh, and find traction with policymakers. And so that led me to looking at geothermal as one of those technologies that has been relatively stagnant. Only 0.4% of the electricity mix comes from geothermal and less than 1% on the thermal side. Uh, So that is how I started uh, being introduced to the geothermal industry and uh, had a lot of... um, interviews with, and part of my, qual- my research was all qualitative based. Okay. So I interviewed a lot of uh, stakeholders and, and uh, geothermal leaders uh, throughout my research. And um, then the, the geothermal rising job opportunity came up. And so put my hat in the ring and convinced the folks at the, on the geothermal rising board that there's a lot of potential in geothermal rising and they, they know it. And that we need to be aggressive, that this is an industry where we have to move now. We can't procrastinate. It's it's now with, with that we need to launch this industry. And so we got to move quick. We got to increase our touch points with policymakers and help companies like Criterion and, and all, all others, uh, all other geothermal companies uh, launch and become successful. Yeah, no, and that's great. And I think it's, well, it's unique in the sense that obviously you've found the route differently than most of the guests, honestly, I'd say all of the guests I've had on the show in the sense that most were either, you got the camps that were geothermal always, that that's just what they're interested in from school onward as a, you know, subsurface doing geology engineering, or just in general from a marketing business or people that were oil and gas or some other industry before and made the switch because they wanted to be part of this energy transition or just be part of helping the efforts, which is all of those are the same, you know, intrinsic goals and values that you're feeling, but you're bringing a, a really unique perspective in my mind and one that, well, I would argue, again, I'm not putting any other importances of the other ones down at all because they're important, but I would argue that at some points it's the most important because if we can't clear the path for certain policies or things to just help geothermal advance quick enough to be a factor in 2030, then a lot of the technology innovations or the things that we're working on on that side of things really won't matter on a on a big scale they may be still niche like they are and kind of be in their areas but i think policies is so key and that flows into the the education that we touched on at the very beginning of these policymakers having touch points with them but also educating them enough where they can become champions of the geothermal themselves so it's no longer just having to be us trying to, to convince them that this is a good bill or this is a good policy but actually them driving that from their own seat. So I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's something you want to do. Yeah. One of our goals at Geothermal Rising is to identify those policy champions and 
make them become aware of the role that they need to start playing or that that they want to play. But we need the industry and, and geothermal rising. Uh, we are we need to encourage them to become those policy champions. And when I say policy champion, I mean a member of Congress or a state legislator or a governor who where geothermal is in the top three of their priorities. Yeah. You know, Governor Polis in Colorado is a great yeah. example of, of someone who has has taken the, the mantle of geothermal and is running with it. And we need more of those types of people. So there are, again, as I said, geothermal is a bipartisan yeah. uh, uh, technology. Um, I think we have potential champions in Utah and Alaska and Idaho and New York State and California and so we just we need to start in, engaging these people more, these policymakers, and and there's a lot going on um, in New York right now with some of the thermal energy network yeah. legislation that's being passed, or in Massachusetts with the geogrid legislation on the direct use side. Yeah, it's really exciting to see that and to see those policy champions being created in present time. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that in Colorado and in Texas, especially right now. Yeah, with the with the amazing work that is happening with the TexGeo. Um, a coalition. Yeah. They're, they're creating those, those champions and whether the policymakers know it or not, they're, we're, we're creating yeah. top policy champions right <laughs> here are. in Texas. Yeah. Which is to your point on the bipartisan issue. It's, it's great to see because there's, I wouldn't say it's an, an easier effort. It's just from hearing from TextGia and talking with them. It's, it's interesting because they're not trying to, to go and fight a, a battle. They're simply presenting like, this is what geothermal is on a fundamental level. It is, you know, it's utilizing skills and workforce that we have right here at home. And it's also a clean renewable energy that's baseload and will help us do exactly what we're trying to do, which is decarbonize the grid, decarbonize yeah. the world. But it's sort of this, it's playing, it just beautifully does play both sides without having to really tailor the story a certain way at all. Yeah. It's just, it is what geothermal offers. And as you're mentioning about the Northeast, I think it's for so long, the geothermal industry was kind of, I won't say it's fragmented, but a lot of times people would not consider everyone focused on geothermal as power or yeah. just electricity. And I think we're, we're starting to see that shift. And I'm, and I love that that's happening, but I always say it every, almost, almost every episode of that geothermal is, needs to be talked about, as you're saying, in that, in the whole encompassing direct use piece, yeah. the electricity, uh, because in that case, there can be so many more champions for it than just a, someone who wants it to be part of their grid mix or just part of power. There's, there's a lot of, you know, even the tribal lands, there's so many people yeah. that can be champions for this that go so far beyond a single state, a single person that I really do think that it can, it can really, you know, snowball in that effect. If we really do a, you know, if we work hard at that specific thing and try to target people to be champions for it. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's one of my focuses as the new executive director of geothermal rising is to present this unified industry. And I think it is fair to say that the industry has been fragmented in the past. Um, and we need to, you know, research shows that when industries come together and um, set aside the technological differences that they are designing and building out and innovating, and they start focusing on the end goal, that they find more success from a policy perspective. And this has happened with the solar industry and the wind yeah. industry, and we need to do that here in the geothermal industry. And, and so, that's one of the goals of, of geothermal rising. And as I see it, what we do at geothermal rising is we are, we are trying to make sure that the parade route for all of these exciting, um, 
startups and companies is clear of any obstacles. Yeah. But the parade floats, all those exciting floats, that's Criterion, that's yeah. Ever Technologies, that's you know BHE Renewables with their lithium yeah. uh, work. Those are the floats that we need to make sure that they stay on on target and that we and so geothermal rising is trying to remove any obstacles out of the way yeah. so that's how which i is, see yeah which is awesome because i mean that's that's kind of the beauty of the any trade or any organization in any industry is sort of that it gives a voice it allows a platform where people can come and express their issues they're seeing in the field right there's boots on the ground that can report back and it allows geothermal rising to efficiently say okay here's what you know here's a plan of action for who we need to get in front of what we need to to do to kind of try and, and help clear some of those things. And I think it's a great, you know, I think we've really seen it. It's always been there, but I think even with how many more startups there are and just kind of this revival of geothermal, you're really seeing a, a beautiful relationship of how geothermal rising and these startups can really work together to do a lot of accelerating in parallel on two kind of different, uh, you know, regimes of one of them is the boots on the ground, doing the, putting wells in the ground, doing this stuff while at the same time, geothermal rising is setting the path for, the next 15 years so that we know that you can just, just run and we got, you know, yeah. we've got it set up. So I kind of want to, I mean, on the policy topic, uh, you know, from your perspective, since you, you know, got into it of why some were stagnant, geothermal obviously sticks out as one of those, but you know, in the recent, I'd argue just two years, you know, we've seen some pretty, you know, we've seen some, some very, you know, optimistic, I would say, or just great news for the geothermal industry, especially with that, you know, IRA coming out mm -hmm. and things like that. And so I kind of wanted to talk, you know, from your perspective, what are some of the good things that we've seen happen for geothermal industry in the just, let's say the last 24 months? And then what are some of the things that were still just not quite there yet, or things that really do need to change in order for geothermal to kind of hit that exponential uh, growth way? This kind of the way we've seen solar and wind in the yeah. past 10 years. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, the, the growth over the last two years has been, is remarkable. And the um, Project Interspaces report on yeah. the tech, the future of geothermal energy in Texas is really hit it on with the with their research into uh, the startups. There've, you know, been about 25 new startups in the last couple of years, yeah. in the last two years. And a lot of those by are actually based in um, in Texas, which yeah, is exciting that the yeah. geothermal, um, you know, uh, this large geothermal cluster is growing here in Texas. But, um, you know, the IRA is a really phenomenal piece of legislation, not just for the geothermal yeah. industry, but for, for the energy, the energy sector in general. And it is a industry changing, um, it's a, it's an industry changing piece of legislation. Um, you know, what's great about it is it has longer, um, sunsets for ITC, the investment tax credit and the production tax credit. Okay. Those are going to be, um, allow and appreciate the longer sunsets appreciate the, the unique characteristics of geothermal development. Uh, and so that'll give a longer timeline for geothermal developers to take advantage of those credits. Uh, and then there's there's a lot of other benefits as well. Um, the workforce uh, benefits yeah. as well in the in the IRA is are going to help the geothermal industry. And that is just that's a space that where geothermal is uh, plays a big role in that just transition, that equitable transition from um, from the hydrocarbon industry into the clean energy economy, and respecting the the skills and the knowledge and the the experience of uh, oil and gas workforce and um, allowing those individuals to continue doing what they're doing, yeah. like, you know, drill rig operators and reservoir management uh, uh, specialists and um, yeah, geoscientists and geologists. They they have a home in the geothermal industry. Yeah. We need their skills. And so we need to 
bring them into our industry. And with all of these startup companies, there's just, I see this, this, uh, this trajectory happening at the same time, uh, which is exciting. Yeah. And I mean, you know, talking about workforce, which obviously I'm passionate about of being one that did make the transition. It's, I, you know, I even think of the younger generations of trying as a geothermal industry, we almost have a, a charge on our, it's almost on our shoulders to go into these schools and these younger generations and encourage and promote STEM, you know, and, and still promoting engineering and, and geoscience. And some of these, you know, professions and studies that some people have kind of said, oh, that's, you know, you don't want to go that route anymore. It's kind of a dying industry, mm-hmm. which is just not true. If I mean, obviously we have some work to do to make that the case, but I think that's a big piece that we can't miss either is that, yeah, yeah we offer an immediate transferability of the skills of those who have either been victim of some of the latest layoffs or just had never been able to find work again in the oil and gas space that geothermal is sure there's nuances, there's differences, but at the same time, if you've drilled wells, if you're an engineer, I mean, there's the fundamental aspects of it are, are there and they're the same. And so I think that's, um, it's awesome to, you know, I think that's such a a beautiful thing about geothermal that, you know, not all of them can say that in terms of the renewable yeah. space. And so it's a big that workforce uh, transfer and the, the, the learning spillover is what, you know, sort of call it in yeah. the academic world that that is uh, a significant benefit from that the geothermal offer, the geothermal industry offers the clean energy transition. Yeah. So that's one thing we need to communicate to policymakers uh, is about the jobs that we're that the geothermal industry is is, is going to provide, yeah, poised to create, yeah, absolutely. And then I guess also in the the for the PTC and ITC, didn't the actual value of that come up for geothermal in the latest um, legislature as well? It did compared to what it was previously. Yes, which is also a big factor. Yeah. Given the we, part of that is the upfront risk costs, yeah. <clears throat> the upfront risk costs for uh, for geothermal, there is a higher risk, and so. Uh, or there's a, a, a higher cost for exploration for yeah. geothermal, and that's as everyone is well aware that 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 the um, those the costs up front are some of the economic hurdles that geothermal has to overcome, and that's where again where policy can play a role. There in the past we've had risk mitigation programs even in the United States through uh, PURPA, which was a piece uh, piece of legislation passed in the 1970s, yeah. and that's where you see most of the growth of geothermal in terms of gigawatts on the on the grid was because of legislation huh. from the oil crisis of this oil crises of the 1970s yeah. and the risk mitigation funds that have since sunsetted um that that's where the growth comes for for the, the, the geothermal and then it's plateaued since then pretty much and so that's an area where geothermal rising partnering with companies like Baker Hughes and uh, um others in the industry we can make sure that the congress is aware that that's a space that we can create new policy um, and re- restart those programs to help the geothermal industry expand. Yeah, no, that's an interesting topic and one that, you know, I've been kind of fascinated with more on the sense that I don't fully understand all of those uh, financial instruments. You know, that's not my background of finance and those things, but I find it fascinating that we've seen some of this implemented. I'm obviously the one that was done here, but then you've seen in recent, as of right now, those instruments working in some of the you know, developments that are happening in other countries around the world, you know, Kenya, even some in Iceland, that there's these companies or not necessarily companies always, but institutions that are coming in and providing a, a grant of sorts. And I know the Inter-American Development Bank does this and some other agencies help do this. And the first time I'd heard about it, I thought it was just fascinating in the sense that I never really had, had thought of it in that sense of sort of giving 
some de-risked capital to help then also attract other investors to basically say, hey, there's a minimum set here of what mm-hmm. you can lose, but also for the developer, you know, it's viewed as a very, you know, it's not a no strings attached, but it's a grant in the sense that it's not some crazy high cost of capital. And it's a little, it gives you a little bit more freedom to go out and perform these riskier type of developments. And so I, I 100% agree and, and kind of just want to mm-hmm. piggyback off that and sort of maybe get your opinion on, you know, is this something where we just try and go revive what was done back in the 70s and 80s time frame, Or is this kind of, do we create a separate entity of sorts or a separate agency that kind of handles this? Or do we need, you know, individual institutions to kind of do this? You know, how, how, what, how do you see that kind of playing out of how we can help sort of do that from a financial instrument side of things? Hey there, everybody. It's your host, Nick Sestari. Just wanted to take a break here uh, from this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in thus far. Hope you're enjoying uh, this wonderful episode. I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by JRG Energy, delivering solutions today for a better tomorrow. So thank you, JRG Energy, and enjoy the rest of this amazing episode. And thank you for your support. Yeah, there are probably some existing authorities that we can utilize to um, work with the Department of Energy uh, is in, in particular and maybe work with their loan program office. Um, but it, the the dynamics of uh, in Washington, D.C. are different right now with the latest with the midterm election in, yeah. in November. So we have to just keep that in mind on, on how we're going to. Um, ask for new programs, and so maybe there there could be opportunities with existing programs, uh, with ARPA E, for example, yeah. or with uh, the loan program office uh, to or, um, and and identifying some of these existing authorities that haven't expired to see if we can create some risk mitigation programs out of them. Um, yeah, but there's there still is also the you know um, going to the Hill and talking with House House uh, authorizers and appropriators in this and same on the Senate side to see if we can, if there's any traction for um, de-risking and, and risk mitigation programs for geothermal. Again, it is, everyone likes geothermal. Yeah. So uh, we just need to start making the asks, yeah. and getting in front of the policymakers and saying, hey, this is something that will help the industry. It'll help your constituents. It'll bring jobs. It'll help the workforce transition in, in a just way. Um, and so we just need to start asking. Yeah. Actually, just actually yeah. putting it in front of them yeah. and actually doing it. Yeah. And I think that's, Part of that is is kind of, you know, going back to that sort of solar and wind have kind of hit their stride. They've gotten a lot of that. They've done that. They've put voices out there. They've asked for these things. They've been sort of heavily lifted from whether it's been government subsidies or just other forms of kind of, you know, it's not as risky. We all, we know that. I mean, it's a little bit more straightforward when it comes to solar and wind, but still they had to come down their own cost curve, their own learnings. And yeah. so it's... It's a policy decision at the end of the day. Yeah. It, you know, there are technical and, and there are important technical and economic limitations to, to geothermal Absolutely. development. And I don't want to, I don't want to discredit it, that, but at the end of the day, it is a policy and social decision that we're making yeah. as a society, as a government, you know, in the 1920s to the 1940s, we made the policy decision to scale up hydroelectricity. We built dams all over the Western United States. Yep. We're still benefiting from those gener- you know, generations later. We're benefiting from the electricity. I live in Idaho and my electricity is eight cents a kilowatt hour. Wow. It's, it, you know, because That's of the incredible. dams that we have. Wow. Mine's um, 19 cents a kilowatt hour here. <laughs> yeah. So it's, 
But we, uh, and then in the 70s and 60s and 70s, we made the conscious decision to invest and scale um, in nuclear. And now we have 92 commercial operating nuclear power plants generating 20% of the electricity um, uh, electricity for the grid here in the United States. So it's, again, that was a social and policy decision. And more recently, we've made that decision for wind and solar. We're scaling them. We've made that decision um, through legislation over the last, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And now it's time for us to make the social and policy decision to support geothermal. Yeah. Um, it is, it fits nicely. We, we're, we're not advocating that geothermal needs to be hundred percent of the grid nope. or yeah. all of our thermal and, and, and cooling needs, but it should be a significant player. Yeah. And, uh, in order to do that, we need to make the conscious policy and social decisions to scale up the industry. And that's what we're asking. That's what geothermal rising, uh, is asking and, and other organizations like clean air task force and project Interspace and, um, is, is working to bring up is to scale up geothermal. Yeah. And I mean, it goes back to your point at the beginning that you said of like, your kind of your passion and drive is that we need to move now. And I don't think that's different for necessarily other energy sources or, I mean, that's, that's kind of the theme of the entire energy transition or kind of getting to these goals, the world set out for ourselves. But the idea is that because of some of those technical and economic limitations that geothermal has, there is, I would argue, maybe a longer timeline of of bringing down costs just because of the nature of how it's different than solar and wind because there's a lot of subsurface yeah. risk there's just different things that we're trying to learn and a lot of the new technologies in geothermal are very young still and and some not even tested yet so there's a lot of work to be done on that front so I'm, if we don't do some of these things today then 2030 rolls around 2035 gets here and we're at 2050 before you know it and we yeah. may not have done really you know, maybe there's a small incremental rise in geothermal, but we're not going to see the the you know delta that we want to see as an industry and what we hope and know that it can provide. It's not even about as much competition as just this geothermal has so much to yeah. provide that we need to tap it. And if they if we are genuine about reaching our climate goals yeah. um, by 2030 and 2050, that the United States and many U.S. states and other countries have set for themselves, geothermal has to be a player. Yeah. We have to be at the table and we're, we're just not right now. Um, and so we need to change that. Um, and again, part of that is creating policies or when we're creating policies in the energy space that they take into the account, the unique characteristics of geothermal. We're not solar and wind. We don't try to compare ourselves yeah. to solar and wind. We are geothermal. Yeah. And so we need policies that are built for geothermal. Yeah. Uh, not so. just coupled in on the end. Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. trying to help, but not really targeting exact things for geothermal. So yeah. we need to be engaging policymakers to let them know this is what the indus- the geothermal industry needs in order to scale. We need demonstration dollars for critical, uh, supercritical hot rock technologies and for closed loop technologies. We need deployment dollars for EGS because we know that that is a, a now technology. Yeah. Um, and uh, we need to... Um, you know, we need to support the the geothermal ground source heat pump industry and make sure policymakers are thinking about the, all of the massive benefits that direct use and, and geothermal heat pumps offer the built environment in order to decarbonize that space. And so we need to make sure that there are that the tax credits in that space are are um, continue to be targeted and keep the fact keep unique keep the unique characteristics of geothermal in mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I mean, it's and it's. It's true that there just has to be a, an action, you know, at this point, and even some of the simple things that you think about from where we still need change and still need action is, you know, the permitting side of things. And even being here in yeah. Texas, you would think, and you know, in your head, you're like, we do this every day. We drill wells, 
every 30 seconds, basically here. It's and 20,000 a year yeah, right I here mean, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, some small <laughs> number of wells. And there's a very well-established system. You know, the Railroad Commission has everything. You know, so obviously it's different than the Western U.S. in the sense that there's a an agency established to do that. But even within that, you're seeing it arise in some of the CCUS, CCS stuff. And then obviously geothermals, you're kind of just running into the, it's not as difficult maybe and as long as some of the Western U.S. permitting and stuff because yeah. of federal lands, et cetera. But you're still seeing a, what I'll call a, maybe just a confusion or a not a clear line of sight of what do we do with this kind of thing. Yeah. So permitting is is a big one, right? Yeah. And um, I, I would call it a lack of cohesion within the United States. In fact, I was recently reading some research that our regulatory, when it comes to geothermal, the regulations that geothermal companies have to go through in the United States is more complex and less cohesive than in Europe. Wow. So, makes, you know, that, yeah. the, and one exciting thing is right now is the, the House um, Resources um, Committee uh, is looking at a, a permitting uh, yeah. re- reform. And geothermal rising and the geothermal industry, that's something that we are all very much in support of and support the, the effort of the of the House um, Resources Committee to um, reform the regulatory process because we, again, it's where geothermal is being treated in a, in a different way than even the oil and gas industry. And so it makes uh, the effort to develop geothermal projects very complex. And so we're excited to see that legislation move on the house side. Yeah. And you you could argue it's a barrier to entry for some smaller startups or companies, because if you're an ORMAT, if you're a bigger company, you can, it's still frustrating and doesn't help business, but there's a little bit more of a, you can absorb some of that. But if you're a new player trying to innovate and trying to be part of this exponential growth, it really can stall that and stop it. And so I'm, you know, it's exciting to see some of this stuff starting to progress um, and happen because yeah, geothermal has, it needs to be the solar wind and geothermal, not the solar and wind and the other renewables asterisk that just kind of like lumps things in and just doesn't target them with any specific legislation because that's what's for so long just kind of left us trying to grasp at the small stuff we can to help push, but not major hurdles that we can actually get over and, and really start to see what we want to see, which is geothermal really take off and and be a big player and not just the U.S. I mean, obviously the the world. And I, and I think about, you know, people say, can it happen? Can it be done? And I have no doubts because, I mean, I think about even just the renewable portfolio standards that some of the states had rolled out, you know, not that long ago in the scheme of things, 10 years ago with these goals of, I'll just say Texas, for example, to put 10,000 megawatts of renewable energy on the grid where I think today we're at almost 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. A lot so, of it from wind, yeah. I, from what I gather, but, and you know what, that we may not see as many renewable portfolio standards coming out, especially yeah. maybe not out of Texas anymore, anytime soon. But what we, what I am seeing around the country is an increased, increasing interest from public utilities, mm. from community choice aggregators, from rural cooperatives and from larger, you know, larger um, public utilities as well it, in realizing that they are missing a critical component of of there's of having a stable electrical grid yeah. in those evening hours when everyone's going home and they're the the sun is setting and the the wind is dying down and um there's and everyone we need a stable reliable clean firm or renewable base you know base load yeah. energy and there's only one out there there's, there's only one yeah <laughs> so if we want to eat with our family at dinner yeah. in with lights and yeah. either with the air conditioning running or the heat 
going on, depending on where you live in the yeah. country or what time of year it is, you know, that's where geothermal is going to play is a big factor. And, and I know that secretary Granholm at the department of energy, that's one of the things that keeps her up at night. She told me uh, the other day, it's, it's Sarah week here is, is <clears throat> base load, clean, firm base load. Yeah. How do we get it? Geothermal is the, is the is the technology that offers that to the United States. It's also American-made. Um, yep. It benefits rural America just as much as it does urban America. Yeah. Uh, we can decarbonize big cities like Houston and Seattle and Boston, um, and we can create electricity. So uh, that is, you know, that's where we're going to have to yeah. improve. That's true. Yeah. And then last point on like the small, well, it seems small policy thing. And then we'll jump to the last piece, which I'll ask you about some of your goals besides the ones you've mentioned for geothermal rising. But the last piece is even like I was either listening to something today or heard, you know, and I forgot about it, but the, you know, even the categorical exclusions that were given to oil and gas. And I think it was the Energy Act of 2005 or something of, the, of that sort. And even thinking about that type of thing. And you're, you know, you think about geothermal and how similar these are, but yet, but yet those aren't extended to the geothermal industry. And so even like those kind of small things, which aren't small, but they're maybe not as talked about as sort of the, the larger policy stuff yeah. just kind of gets my mind thinking of like, there's a, there are a lot of little things that we can at least start somewhere and then, you know, get to those larger things. So it's, um, yeah, there's a yeah, lot of when, things. When that legislation came out in the you know the, in the mid 2000s, my guess is that the geothermal wasn't sitting at the table to yeah. say, "Hey, um, wait a second, think about us too." Yeah. Uh, and that happens a lot. And so one of the things that we need to do at geothermal, geothermal Rising, in partnership with all of the other geothermal um, companies and organizations, is create that advocacy apparatus so that we are in front of decision makers on a more regular basis at the federal, state, and local levels. Um, so we need more boots on the ground. We need geothermal companies. Uh, small and big to have bigger um, community outreach and government affairs programs and and teams yeah. uh, so that we can make sure we're in those policy discussions and saying, hey, don't forget about us when, you know, when we need to um, improve manufacturing for air source or for heat pumps yeah. that that we don't just think about air source heat pumps, but we include ground source heat pumps in that, you know, the Defense Procurement Act um, that we need to yeah. Absolutely. manufacture more of those. It's the seat at the table and the, the sort of, as I say, like being in their face, almost not, you're not being annoying quite, but you're there so much that they just can't not think about geothermal. And that's something that we need to continue working on so that they just cannot, they just can't avoid it because geothermal is always there, has a voice represented. So they have to start changing how they view, you know, legislation when they, they start writing it or putting it out. So, well, I know time always flies on these things, but I, <laughs> before we move to my hot seat questions that I always give for all my guests. I want to just close it out here with kind of your, besides some of the ones you've mentioned, you know, what are, what excites you the most about your new role and kind of what are some of the, let's just take the three, you know, let's take one near term goal that you're, you're excited to kind of get started on and get, you know, get moving. And then let's do, you know, maybe one or two mid long term goals that you hope to see geothermal rising accomplish, let's say in the next five to seven years. Okay. Uh, so initially, I just want to, uh, one of the things I want to do is more community engagement with the geothermal community from geothermal rising. So uh, lifting up the successes and the achievements of the community and, and amplifying those uh, when a company signs a new PPA or, or a, um, or, gets in, has a, a new partnership or a joint venture with 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 between different companies is amplifying that and and congratulating and and um sharing then the success of those uh yeah. those agreements and those announcements so the and and so that's one thing is just 
sharing the the news and and uh, information about all of the great things that are happening because there's a lot going yeah. on. Um, and then more in the long term, it's creating that ad- advocacy apparatus and uh, creating a more unified and cohesive um, outreach effort for the geothermal industry, um, partnering with the with organizations to amplify the narrative and and help geothermal start communicating with external audiences on a more regular basis. So maybe that's marketing and social media, but informing and and familiarizing the technologies and the benefits of geothermal to the, the media, to investors, to textbook publishers, to policymakers, to high school teachers, elementary school kids, yeah. like, you know, making sure that they, that everyone just knows about the benefits yeah, of geothermal absolutely. so that when you flip through that high school textbook and you see geothermal is right next to the volcano section in, in the earth science section, yeah. that instead it's also in the economic section and it's in the policy section yeah. of, of textbooks. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and that's great. And I think as we kind of talked about and we'll close with a lot, a lot of work to do, but also one that I'm confident in not only the people that are part of this industry, but also geothermal rising and with you at the helm think that, you know, this is going to be a fun next five years, five to seven years. And one that's obviously, yeah, going to be a lot of elbow grease and sweat put into it, but one that I really think that we'll be able to look back on and be just proud of what we were able to do as an industry and and how we're able to now, you know, move forward in that sense of where, yeah, the textbook now kids are, are aware of it from an early age. People in the community are are advocating for, you know, district heating in their area, or there, there's an advocation coming from all levels of stakeholders, all yeah. the way up to obviously the Hill. So I think I'm excited, you know, to be part of it, both the media side of it, also working it now and, and just am excited to see what the next, you know, honestly, I'll even say the next 10 to 20, just because that's sort of the, my career portion and excited <laughs> to see what, what, uh, what happens. And so, um, yeah, so thankful for your insights and thankful to have you on the show. And before I let everyone go, I have to ask the three hot seat questions, okay. which are, they're not hard. They're just, um, I have to do it because it's <laughs> what, uh, it's, it gives everyone the raw, just off the cuff, what you think. So the okay. first one is a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self or to someone that's in school and doesn't really know, you know, exactly what path they want to take. I would just say it's Okay. Um, one of the questions I dislike the most when in interviews is what do you want to do in five years? Um, I, I, you know, you want to, I personally think you want to keep options open and, um, that if you are saying, this is what I want to do in five years, you're really limiting yourself. Uh, and, and so keep, keep the flexibility, um, and don't pigeonhole yourself. Yeah, no, that's great. That was always the hardest question I ever got asked by any boss. It was like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? You're like, I, I will literally never, don't, I don't know. I won't ask that question. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I always took it upon myself that that's never going to be a, I'm like, you just, let's take it a month or two at a time and figure it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, second one is across your time and career. And obviously you've done a variety of things and leading to this point, what's one, you know, either project or just experience you look back on as a fond memory of yours throughout your career? One of my fond memories is is um, creating a research and evaluation office at the State Department and, and uh, that looked at um, uh, creating more evidence-based support for cultural exchange programs and international uh uh, Fulbright programs. Hmm. Uh, I worked at the public, uh, the undersecretary for public diplomacy in, in the, the, the state department. And, uh, that was a really great experience. It was building a team, um, empowering a community, which I think in translates into what I'm trying to do here at Geothermal yeah. Rising as well is, 
is building something that is going to be institutionalized and that will last for um, for many, hopefully, years and yeah. decades. <laughs> a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, that's great. That sounds super, super unique and just super fascinating. I'm obviously such a stark contrast from anything I've done in my career, being part of some of those, you know, the State Department and the offices on the Hill is just a fun. It's very... Very interesting to hear about and learn about. So the last one we'll leave the listeners with is a book recommendation. So it can be a all-time favorite, can be a recent listen, um, or whatever just comes to the top of your mind. It's always a fun. I have a list that I can no longer keep up with at this point because of how many I've now had to write down from every single one of these episodes. So I'm going to go with a first. I'm going to go with a geothermal recommendation, okay. and that is. Um, uh, available now is Christina uh, Hagstrom's new book called uh, Ignis and Her Hidden Powers. Awesome. So it's a children's book yeah. uh, written by the Baseload Capital folks. Um, and uh, everyone needs to just get out there, buy Start that book, yeah. spread that book, and also buy a couple extra copies and donate them to your local libraries. Yes. Uh, so that our I have little kids, and so kids can start learning more about geothermal Absolutely. at an earlier age. Um I'm trying to think of something more serious. Now. Yeah, hey, that's no, that's a that's a great one in the sense of we haven't had any. You know, well, all the other geothermal books you can recommend are, mm, I would argue, textbook style yes, exactly. that no one's going to really yeah. pick up and read unless you're a scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, but that no, I mean, I think that's a good one because I think that's the as we mentioned, that's kind of the start of where everything begins is the the stakeholder ladder of let's get in the hands of the young future generations. And I'm grateful to see baseload putting something like that out there. And so is it available on Amazon? That's a good question. Actually, I'll have to look, I'll look and I'll put it in the show notes for listeners. Yeah. We'll link it in the show notes for everyone so that you can go buy 10 copies yourself and you can go find whether it's a library, a local school, just, just go and drop a few copies off. So well, awesome. Well, thank you, Brian. Again, it's been a pleasure to talk with you and and just a, a joy to learn more about your background and hear some of your passions and your goals and really just learn, get a little bit more knowledge myself on the policy landscape and kind of what, what lays in front of us and some of the tasks ahead, but uh, ultimately nothing insurmountable. So um, it's been a pleasure and uh, I've been your host, Nick Sestari, and thankful to JRG Energy for uh, making this episode possible. Thanks to them for being a great partner uh, along the way in this journey and supporting the mission. Um, and for all of you out there who have listened and supported as well and hope you've learned something each episode and taking away something to go share with your friends and family and coworkers and or even make the transition yourself. So thank you for tuning in. Please like and subscribe to the show and, and share it around. And until next time, take care and we'll be in touch. <laughs>